Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Healthy You, Wealthy You. I'm in the seat and with my co-host Faggy. Good morning. Good morning, Adel. How are you? I'm, I'm well, really, really excited to have a walk around my garden, my gardener, and spring is definitely in the air. I'm so glad I'm not bundled up and trying to avoid the cold. It definitely does make a difference when all these flowers start being planted and everything looks great. And today, actually, I'm really looking forward. We've been speaking about functional medicine for a very long time on our show, and we've always been quoting doctors from overseas, and today we have our very own functional medicine doctor with us today. Indeed, indeed, and um, I'm really, really excited because a lot of time, you know, Peggy, um, as, 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 as everyone knows, we run a WhatsApp group where we post a whole lot of stuff and we do speak about functional med- medicine doctors. And many, many times I know for myself I've been asked privately, what is a functional medicine doctor? Like, what is that? Who is that? And, yes, today we are very excited to have on the show Dr. Riaz Matara, um, who's a qualified cardiologist and a physician who pioneered the Women's Heart Clinic, and that's going to be something I'm going to be asking him about. Why about the Women's Heart? Is there something special about our heart? <laughs> that we give a lot of love. He's the founding member of the first cardiovascular risk institute in Africa, um, affiliated, obviously, to the Health Pref- uh, uh, um, Professional Council in South Africa, the College of Medicine of South Africa, and um, has also... Uh, launched VeinScalp, the first comprehensive varicose vein clinic in South Africa. So we are really, really um, in for a very big treat. And to understand from uh, Dr. Matara's uh, perspective, how is it that you are an allopathic doctor, you are a cardiologist, a very good one at that, and what what happened that um, made um, the doctor change and become what we call today a functional medicine doctor. As always, we invite you to join the conversation at 34519 or 061-895-1019 if you have any questions or you have any comments um, that you would like to ask Dr. Matara. Well, this is, this is your time. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back, and it gives me much pleasure. Good morning, Dr. Matara. Good morning, Fagy, and good morning, Adol, and thank you very much for having me on your show. We are really, really super excited to have a conversation with you. I think it's like the first real-life conversation with a functional medicine doctor. (laughs) (laughs) We've been discussing this for many, many weeks and months. (laughs) Finally, it's here, and we're very excited. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Matora, tell us a little bit about yourself, like, you know, um, how you started out in medicine and how you veered into the, the world of functional medicine. So I qualified as a cardiologist almost 20 years ago, and I went into private practice. And for the first two years, you know, I really enjoyed what I was doing, treating my patients, treating many patients with heart attacks. Uh, taking them for angiograms, putting stents in their heart, 
uh, and getting them better. And it was it was really good. And after about two years, I, you know, I felt despondent. I didn't have any job satisfaction anymore. I felt like the patients weren't really getting better. So many of the patients would come in, they would have a heart attack, and I would say, they would say, well, doctor, why did I have a heart attack? And I would say, well, you know, it's all related to your cholesterol. And they would say to me, but you just said my cholesterol is normal. And then I would be saying, well, it's just cholesterol. Take your medication and don't worry, you'll be okay. And I called it the revolving door theory. They would come in, they would say they're tired, they can't lose weight, uh, they've got a headache, and I would adjust their medication, and they would come back two months later with uh, similar symptoms. And it really felt like I wasn't really impacting their lives in a positive way. So, and then they would come back eight months later and we would have to put in another stent into their heart. And I was ready to give up medicine and go and do something different. And I met an endocrinologist friend of mine who then introduced me to the concept of functional medicine, which was really 20 years ago at a really early stage. And all that functional medicine really is, it is a systems-based approach to that focuses on identifying the root cause of the disease. So it's trying to get to your why. Why do we get ill in the first place? Right, that's absolutely fascinating because um, it is something that I don't think that, that, that the population, the general man on the street actually ever asks why. They just want the quick fix and just like get me better as opposed to why. And I think that even in the why, um, I don't know if, if, if we get all, all, all the answers. So, you know, it's actually not that difficult, uh, Adel. I think for me, the, you know, many patients, we've been trained as doctors and as specialists to be organ specialists. So if you come to me as a cardiologist, I was trained to look at your heart and nothing really else. And if you've got a headache, I then referred you to the neurologist. And this is the siloed way in which we approach medicine. And it really goes back to how we were trained uh, as doctors. You know, we if you go back to the 60s, uh, your general practitioner delivered your baby. He looked after your parents. Uh, he did your appendicectomy and so on. And he knew everything about the family. Yes. Whereas now, I mean, as I said to you, you come in, it's really around what are your signs and symptoms and what am I going to be putting onto a prescription to get you on your merry way and we all hope for the best. And really, as I said, the answers are actually quite simple when we understand the continuum of how we actually get ill. So by the time we pre-patients present with symptoms, there's five or six steps prior to that leading up to those signs and those symptoms. And I think as doctors, we, you know, medicine is an art. And I think we've lost the ability to listen to our patients when they talk. Sometimes it's really in what patients don't tell you. And you have to have a strong sense of intuition to read between the lines because patients really tell you their why. Dr. Matara, would you be able to give us an example, like, you know, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, you know, give us like an actual example of, of what we're discussing? Right. So, you know, sometimes a patient will walk through the door and he'll say something like, you know, doctor, last year since my mom died, 
Now I'm very tired, you know, I can't lose weight, I'm not sleeping well, or my sleep is interrupted, or my sexual function is low. Okay. Now, many doctors would have heard the headache or the fatigue or the muscle aches or pains and said, well, you know, not another depressed patient. So he told us in the first line what his diagnosis is or what caused the problem. You know, yes. that this all started after his mum died. Okay? Correct. And he hasn't really dealt with the emotional component attached to that loss in his life. And that loss or that emotional loss or lack in his life or perceived loss in his life is really what's then creating his symptoms. So it was the trauma or the stress that he was going through at that time? Absolutely. Then where would you take him from there? So the next step would then be to actually take a detailed history, understanding the timeline, uh, it's important always to go back uh, to the why and the when. So why does something affect us, let's say, at 40 and not at 38 or 42? What is different in our environment from a dietary perspective or a toxin or pollution uh, or a chronic infection or an emotional trauma that we have experienced that then triggered something in our genes or something physiological in our body that then led to how we are feeling. So um, the first approach would be to take a detailed history, and then the next approach would be to then do some blood tests uh, that look at your endocrine or your hormonal system, because they are the messengers. And then it's taking the final step into determining how do we actually treat you in a holistic way in terms of, yes, a prescription may be important, but what about nutrition? Uh, what about your psychological well-being? Mm-hmm. What about, um, you know, supplementation that we can give you uh, that may actually make you better? One of, one of the comments I want to make then, um, definitely, certainly, as, as you say, that it's important every time that I know now with, 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 you know, my journey into the natural world or understanding for every, uh, cause there is an effect and that down the line when you do present with a symptom, you've probably got about another 10 steps that preceded that. How far back does, does one go or do you go as a doctor? So why I'm asking that, for example, um, I know of someone who, who, who landed up presenting with uh, raised insulin, right? And you go, you go to the doctor and he goes, checks the endocrine and says, yes, this, these are the things that are wrong. Go on a diet, go X, Y, Z, go ABC, but at the end of the, and, and then give medication. But at the end of the day, there actually was another five steps before that, that are, oh, you know, you've got a, you've got an MTHFR gene. That's not functioning. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff that's starting to precipitate that. And if you actually start right at the beginning, you know, you kind of like wipe out the, you know, the, the 10 steps that got you to why you're sitting in the doctor in the first place. You know, like speaking about, far, yeah, carry on, sorry. Sorry, my question is how far back does one go? If somebody, I had, I had another thing, discussion with somebody who now presented themselves with cancer. Right. And yes, there is the, 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 you know, you go to the oncologist and they will tell you now you have to go through radiation. You have to have the tumor cut out, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. And, you know, you said to the person, why don't you just go backwards and ask yourself, why did your body 
create those those cancerous tumors? Like how far back would you suggest somebody go to to start trying to work out why the body came to this place that it finds itself in now? So that's a really fascinating question with uh, lots of answers, Ail. Um, so it goes back, you know, this is why I said earlier, you have to get to the why and the when. You know, what is it in our environment that triggered everything right in the beginning? So you cannot have a thought without a linked emotion. You may be neutral, but you are either coming from a point of love or fear. And it really goes back, if you really want to go back to the beginning, uh, right at a thought level and the choices that we make based on our thoughts. So, Joe, sorry, doctor, I'm going to stop you here. We have to go for a break, but we're definitely going to pick up, just hold that thought since we're in the thought area. We're going to come back right after this break. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back, and we're having a fascinating discussion with Dr. Matara, who is a functional medicine uh, doctor. Doctor, we were talking about what is the 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 the, the center, the beginning of all illness, and you started telling us that it, it it's sitting in the realm of thought. That's correct, uh, Fanny. So if we really look, I mean, Joe Dispenza, that many people know of, uh, you know, he says it like this. He says. Your thoughts are the vocabulary of your brain, and our sensations and the feelings that we experience are the vocabulary of the body. So we have a thought, and that thought then creates a sensation or a feeling in our body. Mm-hmm. Then the feeling or the sensation then induces the next thought, and it's this constant to and fro between these two systems that then creates our reality or what we experience. And it's really around how we choose at a thought level that then creates our physical reality uh, that we experience. Now, as you said earlier, you know, everything is cause and effect in the universe. And that's equally true for for our health and our well-being and what we experience in our life. So, if you look in your environment, there are a few things that will influence what happens to us. It's got to do with our diet that we consume, or these days what we don't get uh, in our food from uh, an adequate nutritional perspective. We may be eating food that's devoid of nutrients. It's where we live, so we live in very hot or cold climates that may affect us. It's the toxins and pollutants and then the acute and chronic infections that we get exposed to. But by far the commonest reason why we get ill today relates to emotional traumas that we experience in our environment. These factors in our environment will then trigger any one or more of three pillars psychophysiologically in our body. So the first effect that happens in our body is that we develop inflammation that may be either acute or chronic. And when this inflammation is chronic and happens over many years and is low grade, our body still attempts to heal that inflammation. And it's the healing response gone wrong over many years that actually creates the illness. The second pillar is something uh, called autonomic dysfunction or where our nervous system is imbalanced between the stress 
an anti-stress system. So when we, post focus, when we get exposed to chronic emotional trauma, divorce, death of a family member, financial problems, crime, relationship issues, and so on, when it's chronic, we develop this excess adrenaline in our system uh, and not enough anti-stress hormones over many years. And that can also then influences what happens in our body. And then the final pillar is that as we age, and depending on what we get exposed to in our environment, we develop hormonal deficiencies or excesses. So those are the three systems that will be affected as an effect. And then the next effect is that any one of these three systems will trigger little light switches in our DNA called epigenetic phenomena. Mm -hmm. And then these light switches, once you trigger them, may switch on a cancer gene or switch uh, on a heart attack gene. And then we then subsequently present with signs and symptoms of that illness and the disease. So that's how it starts from the top right down to the bottom. So going back to the thought point means that depending on how we choose to react or respond to our emotions of fear or guilt or anger or shame or resentment or lack will then determine how our body perceives that. So the term they use is reflective awareness. How you think and what you choose is then reflected in every single cell in our body. That is unbelievable. This is true functional medicine, doctor. <laughs> um, but are, are we saying that if someone has like an accident as a young kid and they go through a real trauma, dependent on the way that they react or think of what they've gone through is how they will uh, have pain for the rest of their life, if they're going to have that chronic pain or not? That's absolutely correct. So remember that when we are children, uh, we perceive emotional traumas and, and how we react to it very, very differently to when we are adults. Okay. So many children uh, that, or many patients that we see have been exposed to traumas. Either, uh, you know, a child may have been raped. There may have been an accident. Um, you know, parents got divorced uh, and so on when they were children. And nobody actually uh, took the time to deal with the emotional trauma with those children. And then you store that emotion of fear or guilt or resentment or shame in your subconscious. Okay. And then we faced with the next emotional trauma. And then we faced with the next one. So if you did a very simple little exercise and you go back as far as you can remember in your life, and ask the following questions. Ask yourself, what happened at age three, at five, at ten, and so on, from an emotional perspective in your life? Mm -hmm. And then ask yourself, what emotions were attached to that event? Was it one of fear or resentment or guilt or anger or loss in your life? And then ask three simple questions. What did you think about all the time? What did you talk about all the time? And how, what decisions did you make in your life? And then go to the next event and the next event. And what you will see is that there's a pattern. So we are always responding, reacting 
and reenacting the same response over and over again to the same emotions. Okay? So the trick in all of this is that you can't get rid of it. This is what we get exposed to in our environment based on our choices. So if you took the word reactive and you spelt it differently, it spells creative. So ultimately, when you are able to observe and, I, and look and see why you feel a particular way, why did I make a particular choice in my life? And then instead of reacting in the same way, become creative in that moment and make a different choice. Okay, And it then becomes easier and easier for us to overcome this emotion called fear that we store in our subconscious over many years. And it's like a bucket of water filling up and eventually it tips over and you present with an acute anxiety attack. So wow. there are okay. ways to deal with it. So, so if, if, if a patient walks into your office, obviously they're coming already and they're, they're, they're pretty ill, right? They're, they're all, all like the symptoms are out, they've got like a whole cross thing. Um, you obviously can't, you don't, you don't start and go and say, well, go start where, you know, where you're thinking, because I think that's the hardest part, even for somebody who's eating properly and somebody who's exercising and trying to control their stress, going into the realm of thought and, and, and seeing the patterns is probably the most arduous and hardest job that a human being, um, you know, would want to do or, or want to face. It's like facing your vulnerabilities and your insecurities and, you know, today life is crazy. So where where in this continuum like do you start? You just like work backwards and say, right, you're chronically ill, so step number one, you know, let's let's clean up your food, let's clean up that, and then it's just a process. Like so, how how do you you, yeah, you so, manage the patient? So again, it's a journey for each patient, right? Many patients uh when they come to see you are purely focused on what they are what sensations they experience in their body mm-hmm. and what they are feeling. So the aim is not to go through that entire continuum in the first uh, consultation. So what you would do is you would listen and understand. And as I said, many patients volunteer the information without them actually realizing what they're doing Okay, mm-hmm. in terms of where it starts. So the aim is to be able to get them physically and physiologically better in the first place. So in medicine, it's either a structural problem in your body, perhaps you've got a blocked artery or a lump somewhere in your body, or you have a functional reason for what you're feeling. Okay. So perhaps maybe your cortisol levels are low and that's why you have a headache. There's nothing structurally wrong with your head. So the first part of it is really trying to get patients feeling better and getting them optimal and optimized physiologically within their body so that they start physically feeling better. Right. And the next step is to then, if they are willing, you know, many patients would say to me, well, doctor, this is not for me. I'd like to just go and see my rabbi or you know, <laughs> have a conversation with my priest. And it's perfectly okay, you know. Some people may get their answers through a reflexologist. Somebody would get it at a homeopath. Somebody gets it at a doctor, somebody gets it at a psychologist, and so on, you know? So it's not, the aim is not to uh, impose on patients a particular belief system or thought process or anything else like that. It's really 
trying to get the patient to feel physically and emotionally better in the beginning, and then take it in a stepwise approach if they are willing uh, to take them back. And sometimes I'm not necessarily the right person to do that. So they may be referred then on to somebody uh, that they are willing to maybe have a deeper discussion with. But are they are they like understanding of the fact that that an emotion is linked to their ailment? Yes. So the vast majority, majority of people. I mean, you know, when you're able to highlight the why, you know, it's as if the entire body posture changes. There. Yes. You know, the the stiffness in their face disappears. The anxiety disappears. They actually, you can notice how they're breathing easier because for the first time. Somebody has actually explained to them or shown them the link between their why and what they are physically feeling. Okay? Or even just acknowledged. And it, and it is acknowledged, absolutely. So they get, they get to that initial step of what I called acceptance. Okay? And then it's really a journey because there's no quick answers to these problems. I mean, something may have been brewing for 40 years in somebody. Okay, And you can't solve that necessarily in an hour. So often what happens, it's important to plant a little seed or to switch on a light switch in somebody's mind to say that, look, there are, ans- there are answers to the questions that you have. Okay, But 50% of any cure, I believe, is having insight into your why. The remaining 50% of the cure is really what you're going to do as an individual, okay, to address that why. Do you, do you, do you, you, uh, obviously you're coming from an allopathic uh, background and now you're seeing, you know, a much greater picture. You marry allopathic medication with natural medication. What is, what, where is the balance there? So, yes, so I see medication as a means to an end. Right, And a lot depends largely on what the condition of the patient is and what they are suffering from at the moment. And patients will need a blood pressure pill. They will need medication to treat their diabetes. Okay, But at the same time, we can also then look to see, well, could a nutritional supplement or a nutraceutical perhaps add greater, add more value when linked to a medication, you know? And, and trying to find a balanced approach to treating the patient in a more holistic way. Did you did you have to go to for formal training, or was this something now that came out of experience? Like, how, how does one become a functional medicine doctor? So that's been the challenge all along in South Africa, right? I mean, none of our universities and of our medical schools offer a course or a speciality in functional medicine. But you could, if you go to all the major medical schools in the States, uh, in Australia, in Europe, uh, you can train and you can specialize in functional medicine. So 20 years ago, when I started out, none of this was really necessarily new. We knew all of this stuff. It was just putting it together in a holistic way. So... Uh, I self-taught myself over the years, and as I said, there were many textbooks and books, and you learn and you attend lectures, international lectures, uh, and do programs, and we still don't have any course in South Africa 
to train you to be a functional medicine specialist. There are many more functional medicine doctors around. Okay, and if you wanted to train to be a functional medicine specialist, uh, you would have to do a course through one of the uh, American universities. Well, there, here's a challenge for you, doctor. Start this now in South Africa. Be the pioneer. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are, there are, you know, as I said, plans around that. Okay, in, the difficulty is that in order for somebody to get a qualification, you know, it has to come through an institution like a university and so on. So, but not to say uh, that I haven't accepted that challenge, Peggy. <laughs> Dr. Matara, I have a question for you. So if you have a patient that comes to you and says, well, I'm on this m- massive list of medication, um, you know, my whole life I've been diagnosed with uh, juven- like, juvenile arthritis, if that's what it's called. Um, you know, I've been on this medication for 15, 20 years how can I get off this medication and is that really my problem? I mean, I'll give you an example. A relative of mine went to my homeopath and he said to her, well, you don't have arthritis and you've never had arthritis. It's really that it's been Lyme disease that you've been dealing with and kind of weaned her off that medication and she's been fantastic since. So how do you kind of reverse that kind of situation? So, yeah, I mean, we see so many patients like this, uh, Fabi. You know, they uh, they come in with a long list of medication because let me give you an example. So from the age of 30, we lose 1% of our kidney function per year through the aging process. So by the time we get to 60, we would have lost a third of our kidney function through the aging process. And that applies to all our organ systems. So as we get older and the list of medication gets longer, okay, the possibility of drugs interacting with each other and causing side effects increases. So the first point or the first step is to identify if the diagnosis that was made was actually correct in the first place. Is it really uh, rheumatoid arthritis or is it uh, really um, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia? And many of these diagnoses, we don't really know the cause. So when we say you've got fibromyalgia as an example, we're just stating that you've got pain in your tendons and in your muscles and your joints, but nobody really knows the cause, okay? So for me, the aim is to initially get to the right diagnosis, understand the state of the immune system, and understand understand the level of functioning of the three pillars that I discussed earlier the amount of inflammation that you have in your body, the state of your nervous system, and the state of your endocrine or hormonal system. And often when you find that you can get that balanced and make the nutritional changes in in, in your life and the lifestyle changes, patients get significantly better. And then you're able to reduce their medication slowly or the doses. Sometimes you can't get off the medication completely, okay? So, you know, many patients have, like, miracle cures from cancer. And no doctor can explain to them why that happens. You know, what did you do differently compared to other patients with cancer? You know? So, yes. the, uh, we just left, we've got to go for an ad break. If we are having a fascinating discussion with Dr. Matara. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, it's 34519 or 061-895-1019. We'll be back shortly. 
This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You Show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. We are in conversation with Dr. Mataro, a functional medicine doctor. And Dr., one of the things that we spoke about, well, I, I mentioned in the beginning of the show, is that you started a woman's heart clinic. I'm intrigued. Are our hearts just that much better that we need special treatment? Okay, so... So, what I used to find in my practice uh, when I started off that, you know, I actually saw more women than men that presented to me with heart disease. And when we were trained, you know, the perception was that women don't suffer with heart attacks. Okay. Mm. So, the, if you look at the statistics, more women die from heart attacks than men do. Sure. Uh, they present later because often many doctors and our colleagues don't uh, believe that women suffer with heart disease, so they get investigated and picked up later, and they have more severe disease. And then also women themselves present very differently to men with heart disease. So when you look at things like breast cancer, as an example, one in 40 women uh, will may get breast cancer. One in four women die of a heart attack. Wow. Heart attacks kill more women than all female cancers put together. Okay, so the perception out there amongst both our colleagues and patients is that actually, no, you know, heart attacks are not going to affect me, or heart disease won't affect me. And when you have a heart attack as a as a male, you get this crushing chest pain in the center of your chest, and you know you're having a heart attack. Women present very differently to men. They may have this sensation of uh, discomfort in their upper abdomen. They may feel nauseous, they may feel anxious, they may have pain in their shoulder or between their shoulder blades, uh, they may have chronic fatigue or symptoms of fatigue. So they present initially very differently to men uh, with symptoms. So it's often not picked up. So the aim was then really to create this woman's heart clinic um, and then as a means to be able to highlight and, and educate uh, the public and patients out there and our colleagues that, you know, women suffer with this problem. It's very common, okay, and it should be identified earlier rather than later. And then the last thing to say was that we know that our prior to the menopause, women are generally protected from having heart disease, but after the menopause, women have exactly the same risk as a male for developing a heart attack or a stroke and so on. That's because of the drop in hormones, correct? That's correct. Okay. All right. So, just if somebody, if somebody came, some someone, someone is listening and um, as, would want to start a journey, like kind of like make a U-turn or, or turn a corner, where would they start? What should they do? If they they're going to say, yes, I, I hear what the doctors. I've, I'm 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 not feeling good. You know, I'm not myself. I've got whatever it is that we we actually walk around with on a daily basis: headaches anxiety, stress, you know, or, or, or other ailments. Where, where does one start? So I'll, I'll perhaps maybe I will, you know, it's a good chance to give you the common symptoms that people present with, uh, Edel. Yes. So when, when we have an imbalance in any one of the three systems that I spoke about, if, for example, your cortisol levels are low and uh, you have two anti-stress hormones in our body, called cortisol and DHEA 
that come from our adrenal glands. Adrenal, adrenaline. So the, on the one side, it makes your stress hormone. On the other side, it makes your anti-stress hormones. So when these cortisol levels are low, we experience the fatigue in the late afternoons and evenings. We are irritable. We crave for chocolates or sweet things at night. We don't tolerate noise or bright lights very well. Headaches, anxiety, dizziness, eczema, joint pains, dark rings around our eyes, and the list goes on and on. Okay? If the I, think DH- I think you've dis- d- d- described <laughs> about 98% of the population, but go on. <laughs> so if your DHEA levels are low, then you have chronic fatigue, you lack motivation and drive, you are irritable, you get joint aches and muscle pains, lower immunity, lower libido, it affects the quality of your skin and your hair, it's important for your heart, but it's also your biggest aging and anti-aging hormone in your body. So when these hormonal levels are suboptimal, because we have too much adrenaline from all the stress that we have, and our body constantly has to make more and more of these anti-stress hormones, and then it can't keep pace, and you have this imbalance of having too much adrenaline chronically in our body, and that's what then drives the lower immunity, drives the inflammation, drives uh, the, the symptoms that we experience. So simply, you know, I think if you identify that you have any of these symptoms, uh, you know, any of your doctors, or there are many functional medicine doctors out there now, uh, it's a very simple test that you can do to identify your levels. Okay, and then the next step would be to determine how do you manage it in a holistic way. And generally within a week, you can resolve all these symptoms. These but, tests are the uh, blood tests, or that blood yeah, test yeah. that you have to go for? Yes, you go for simple blood tests of, of your hormonal system. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, uh, Fagy uh, and Neil, is that we see our glands as organs. So if you've got a thyroid problem, as an example, Okay. Many doctors would treat your thyroid like they treat your heart. Your thyroid is not an organ, it's a gland. All your glands, your hormonal glands in your body are an organ. So in order for you to function at an optimal level, you really want to get your endocrine or hormonal system functioning at an optimal level as a unit. And many of the symptoms of an underactive thyroid or of menopause, or of your adrenal glands functioning suboptimally are all the same. So often patients who have an underactive thyroid go to their doctor and they say, well, I'm still feeling tired, I still have these symptoms, and they increase the dose of their thyroid hormone medication, uh, and the patient then gets worse. So it's crucial that, you know, you approach your health and well-being in a holistic way. And when you're able to do that, you minimize the risk of developing so many other things uh, that will you know, affect us in our life. We're going to go for a bit of an ad break. A couple of minutes left after the break if you'd like to make a comment or ask a question. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. Undoubtedly, we don't need 45 minutes. We probably need 45 years <laughs> to, to, to understand this entire world. Dr. Matara, where could we, where could somebody find a functional medicine doctor? Is there an association here in South Africa that, you know, you can go get a list of 
who would be able to treat you more holistically as you do? Yes, there have been attempts to create a few um, organizations. Um, there are many doctors now um, that call themselves functional medicine doctors. And I think if you just go online and look up functional medicine doctors in South Africa, uh, you would be able to find uh, any number of functional medicine doctors within our country now. Okay, just, uh, we've just got a, a message in. Hi there, just want to say that I'm loving this program and what an interesting guest. That was from Jason. Thank you, Jason. I, I have to agree with you completely. Like, I am, I'm actually floored because I think, um, one of the things, well not one of the things, probably the, our most, our main focus of this show for Fagi and myself is to try educate people out there that our lives and our health is something, number one, that is vitally important. It is our wealth at the end of the day and that we need to look at ourselves far more holistically. Is there anything you'd like to share, Dr. Matara, in, in a closing comment that you, you know, you'd like to bring to the attention of our listeners? Yes, Angel. So, I think, you know, this whole COVID crisis that we're going through uh, and will probably go through for some time has created an, another massive fear on top of many other little fears that we have exposed to. It's creating greater uncertainty of our future. And as we move into this age of what I call digital super intelligence or artificial intelligence, uh, and machine learning and robotics and nanotechnology, uh, many people are asking many questions about what they're going to be doing going forward. And this obviously creates a lot of anxiety and fear uh, around what's going to happen in the world. Okay, And uh, going forward, our emotional health and our psychological well-being is going to become more and more and more important in order for us to cope with the changes um, that are going to come our way in the world. So I think it's important what you're doing. I think it's an unbelievable opportunity that you're exposing people to that there is a different way in terms of how you can look at your well-being. The concept is no longer health care or wellness. It's well-being. You know? mm -hmm. And I think this well-being, our well-being in the next five to ten years is going to be challenged in many, many different ways. And we have to equip ourselves now with the tools that would allow us to be able to cope with what is coming. Doctor, I think a lot of what we've been discussing, okay. it seems that like the stress is a theme that runs through majority of what we've been talking about. And like our ability to learn how to deal with that stress is something that's so huge. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I think from the time, you know, we were little, you know, our parents said, don't sit there, you're going to break your neck. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we've always been trained. We got our 10,000 hours, so to speak, to subconsciously always choose from a point of fear. That's our default pattern that we all have. And it's actually not that difficult a process, okay, that to, uh, to be able to do it differently. It takes a little bit of time. Uh, it takes a little bit of learning uh, and so on, and little tools that you can and steps that you can implement in your life to actually help you. You know, for me, I look at life very differently. I see this as possibly the greatest opportunity for us to transform our lives in a way that allows us to have greater well-being in our in you know in our lives and experience the joy uh, of every moment and being more present 
in our life and enjoying our life in a more fulfilled way. Incredible. Absolute, absolute words of wisdom. And Dr. Matara, we have been very, very privileged to have you on the show. And hopefully you will help us in our drive of, of making this something more aware to the general populace because at the end of the day, yes, we need to start taking responsibility for our well-being. Thank you so much, so much for joining us. Fagi, thank you for sitting in the driving seat along with me. Anybody who wants to join our WhatsApp group, can send an email to info at chaifm.com. Give us your name. Give us your cell number. And, of course, you need to be connected to WhatsApp. And every day, Fagi and I just drop another idea on how we can make our lives better. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Fagi. And to everyone who has joined us in this conversation, have a wonderful, healthy, healthy week ahead.